I am, I'm speechless there for a moment. <laughs> I tell people often, um, especially when we're planning our gatherings and what we're, our order of service and those type of things, don't leave a lot of dead time because we're a clapping church. Like, you give our church any moment to clap, you know what they're going to do? They're going to clap. That's exactly my point right there. And, and I tell people, I'm like, this is legitimate. People, you just don't give people at Mountain View an opportunity because they're going to do it, all right? So I laughed. There was the video, and you all. So I was literally speechless for a moment. I love that you have so much energy. I love that. Hey, um, what real quick announcement or something that's really important that I just share with you. We will have what we call our Vision Sunday next Sunday. And we do that both in our 9 and our 1040 uh, services. And, and really what it is, is our bylaws require that we have a congregational meeting. All right? How many of you have ever been to a congregational meeting before? Yippee! Right? Like those are so exciting. And uh, actually every congregational meeting I can think of attending in my entire life was horrible. <laughs> and so, so we have a Vision Sunday where we just kind of celebrate some things from last year, give God credit for that, and we talk about some things that God's doing in our church for the next year to come. And so I really hope that you'll be a part of it. Uh, we share just a little bit of information. We talk about some challenges, and, and, uh, and it's just really a good Sunday. It really just kind of sets the tone for the entire year here at Mountain View, and so I hope you'll be here. That's really important for me to share. We'll even bribe you. We'll make sure we have donut holes in the foyer for you when you come in, all right? So how's that? Did I, I convinced you, didn't I? No, you're like, I can go get my own donut. I see I gave you an opportunity to clap, and you clapped. Perfect. You guys are right on key today. This is perfect. Hey, um, this series is called Planted, and really what we've been doing is just thinking about what does it look like for a church to be planted, right? And it comes out of Psalm chapter 1, where the psalmist writes that, that a tree planted by the river, the river that gives life, it will prosper and the leaves won't wither. As long as it's planted in that place, it will give it, give it the source, right? And so we want to be a church that, 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 that definitely goes that way, that we're planted, we're, we're doing that. So we've been rethinking some things. We rethought worship. We, last week we rethought theology, right? I convinced all of us that all of us are theologians, right? So how did your theology theologian, I don't know what I'm trying to say, go this week, right? Just your study and your pursuit of knowing who God is. That's what theology is. And so I hope all of you got a little bit of theology. I know that if you're enrooted this session, you got some theology because you're week number two, right? And, and you, you got some information about who God is and maybe even unlearned some things. So this week, we want to talk about holiness. We want to rethink holiness, right? And, and this is where I think about, uh, I go all the way back to 2 Kings chapter 4. When, when Elisha is going through this town, and this is what's said of him in verse 9, and she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. And so this woman is talking about Elisha. Elisha keeps coming to town, and she's like, whoa. Every time he comes to town, she's saying, there is something about him. I can't, I can't quite describe it. There's something about him. But every time he comes by, wow, I know for sure that this is a holy man of God. And I've often asked myself, what do people say when they meet me? And then what do they say when they get to know me? And then what do they say when they really get to know me, right? Do you ever wonder that? And, and could something that was said of Elisha be said of me? 
And this is the big question. In verse 10, she goes on. It says this, Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that whenever he comes, he can go and he can stay there. In other words, she's like, this, this is a holy man. This is a holy man of God. There is something different about him. There is there's something that can't, I can't quite describe about him. And so we have to ask the same question of ourselves. Can people say that about us? And she even goes to the point, she's like, I want more of that. I want to be next to him. I, I want to be around him. And so she builds a room onto her house for him to stay at because she wants that. And so... Holiness, really, the modern word for holiness is different. It's, it's being different. And see, here's the big thing. A holy person is not an odd person, just a different person, right? With unique qualities. Not, not swayed by, by lifestyle and, and really, truly somebody who takes Jesus seriously. Several years ago, I don't even remember why, I was reading this book. Uh, it was written in 1929. And it's called Rough Justice by C.E. Montague. And it's basically a novel. But, but he was writing it post-World War I and just really trying to reveal the emotions and the things that were happening uh, during that time. And so it talks about a little boy named Braun. And Braun goes to the church for the very first time. His governess takes him to church. And so he is watching. He is interested. He is paying close attention to every part of that church service. And so the preacher, he climbs up into a very big pulpit, right? Those big wooden pulpits. Now, if this was us, it would be like right here. And it would be about, I don't know, four or five steps higher, right? And so this is what he's watching. He's, he's seeing this preacher climb up to the pulpit and he hears him tell about some terrible, terrible, terrible news. And it's about a brave and a really kind man who was nailed to a cross and he was terribly hurt. And it was a long time ago. And, and so he's asking the question, who still feels this dreadful pain even now? Jesus feels even this dreadful pain now because there was something not done that he wanted them all to do. And so literally, little Braun thinks that this preaching is, preacher is telling a story because of a lot of the people there, they, they'll do something about it. So as the preacher says, there, there's this guy and, and he was nailed to the cross and the job's not done. He just assumes that the preacher's talking all of this stuff because these people who are listening to him, they'll get up and they'll go do something about it. And so little Braun just, he can hardly wait to see what the first move is. He can hardly wait to see what happens about fixing this injustice and making this injustice right. And so literally, he sits quietly and he decides that after the service, someone would do something, but he begins to weep because nobody seems upset at all. Nobody seems to even be moved by this. And so the service is over and the people walk away as if they had never heard about this terrible news. And he's shocked because his first church experience, he can't believe nobody's going to do something about it. So as Braun leaves church, he's trembling and his governess looks at him and says, Braun, don't take it to heart. Someone will think you're different. Think about that for a moment. What does different mean? It means to be alive. It means to be sensitive in one's spirit. It means to show emotion. It means to listen to what God has to say and that we would respond to what God seems to be telling us. And that would, means that we would take Jesus seriously and what Jesus is all about. Because should Christians not be different? 
Should we not be different? Should we not be distinct and separate and not the same and out of the ordinary, maybe even a little unusual? Because Jesus was. Jesus was distinct. Jesus was different. He was separate. He was out of the ordinary. And He called His followers to do the exact same thing. And so literally, the the word holy could really describe the modern word different. And so today, I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2. And, And really... He's speaking to people who are really believing, obeying Christians. They're they're people who have said, I believe, I'm all in. I want to pursue, become more like Jesus. I want to become more like Him. And so Peter's writing to him. This is what he says. He says this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. In other words, Peter's saying, listen, you had an excuse before all those choices, right? Have you ever made an ignorant decision? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. And it's called ignorance because we just didn't know, right? And so what Peter's saying is now that you know, don't make ignorant decisions. Make informed decisions. Don't be conformed to those passions and those, those things that drove your decision-making be renewed. Be renewed. goes on to verse 15. He says, Therefore, as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Right? And I love this idea of what Peter's trying to say. is like, you're now leaving the former ignorance gone. It's away. It's no more. And, and now that you're a believing, obedient follower of Jesus, and you're trying to pursue who He is, Don't live in ignorance. Don't live in your former ignorance. Don't be driven by your passion. Instead, be holy. Because He who calls us holy is holy. Therefore, He wants us to be holy. Right? I like how Eugene Peterson, I don't often use the message, but I like how Eugene Peterson says it. Listen to this. In other words, roll up your sleeves and put your mind in gear. And be totally ready to receive the gift that is coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then. You know better now. And so as obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life. I love how he says that. We have to let ourselves be pulled into. I like that image. We just kind of have to sometimes let's let him go of the control, right? We let go of the control and we let him pull us in. Pull us in to the way he wants to shape our life. And what kind of life is it? A life energetic and blazing with holiness. I love that. Why? God said, I am holy. You be holy. I love it. There's a problem though with holiness. And our mindset of holiness. So we have to unlearn sometimes, Right? Sometimes even right now, you're thinking, this might be a little too much. You want me to be holy? You don't know my life. You don't... Well, here's the deal. I believe there are some challenges when it comes to holiness. The first one is this. We love conformity. We just do. We value it. And here, here's what I'm talking about. I do. I mean, when I'm invited to a setting that I've never been into before with people I've never met before, you know what goes through my mind? I don't want to be too out there in what I'm wearing. I want to make sure I've got my lingo down. I want to make sure I'm prepared to have conversation with these people. Really what I would prefer to do is walk into the room and stand in the corner and just let things happen. Right? There's others of you, you're like, you're like, I want the brightest, 
clothes and the brightest, I guess wearing a purple shirt today doesn't really count, but seriously, we love conformity. We don't want to be too far out there because too far out people give us a real good laugh. Right? How many of you have ever laughed at somebody who's different? Yeah. And so we don't want to be laughed at. We just want to kind of conform. We want to just make sure we're just kind of like everybody else. And so we value conformity. We don't want to stand out. And we don't want, we have this great fear of being considered different. And so that's one of the big issues with holiness is that it makes us think, now we're conforming. There's another big issue when it comes to being different. We despise the image of holiness. We just do. Because the image in our mind is that holier-than-thou person who stands up and condemns everybody. Right? The person who stands up and says, oh, me and Jesus are like here and you're clearly not, so let me explain this to you. Right? Like that's what we picture holiness as. We picture holiness as the Pharisees. They followed all the right rules and they did everything right and they cast judgment and they were harsh on people and it's not what we want to be a part of, is it? No. And so I want to just say that's not holiness. People who personify themselves that way, they're not close to God. <laughs> they can't be. Because, because that's not who God is. God said, I'm a person of compassion and love, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. I'm not. And tendency is sometimes as Christians, we put on that holier than thou, and we kick people when they're down when actually we should be giving them a hand up. And so one of the issues that we struggle with in thinking about our own lives and becoming holy people that God wants us to be is that we look at holiness and we just kind of despise that picture. We, we despise it. We disdain that arrogance and that spiritual behavior that's so arrogant. The people who put themselves on a pedestal and consider themselves better than everybody else. I think there's another challenge when it comes to thinking about being different. We misunderstand holiness. I talk about holiness, and some of us immediately think of monks and priests, right? They sell their house and sell their sell their house and their cars, and they go out somewhere in the wilderness and they devote their lives to God, trying to pursue this perfect act of holiness. Anybody think that way? All right, great. You guys are rolling right along with me then. Super, right? Anyway, all I think about is monks is the brown outfits they wear. I always wonder are they just wearing underwear under there, right? I mean. Are underwear considered holy, right? So there we go. We'll move on from there. But, but immediately, what happens when we misunderstand it, we think, well, if I'm going to be holy, I'm going to have to give everything up. And I kind of like my life. I kind of like my house. And I kind of like my car. And I kind of like my wife. And I kind of like my children. And I kind of like all this, right? And so if I'm going to pursue holiness, then one of the misunderstood images is that I have to give all that up and I have to go put on some brown outfit with a rope to hold things in. And I'm messing up, huh, Amy? Anyway, we'll move on. How's that sound? Mike says yes. So what does it mean? What does it mean to be holy? And by the way, at Mountain View, we want to create an environment where, where we are not trying to lord over anybody that way. One of the things I often tell people is I'm a lump of clay talking to a bunch of other lumps of clay. And we're all being shaped and we're all being molded by God. As a matter of fact, sometimes I say to God, God, you've been, you've been working some things out in me for a while. Don't you have anybody else to work out on? Right? Do you ever feel that way? 
You're like, hey, I, I think you need to take a break. <laughs> Let me just sit here a little bit, right? And so I really do believe that. I, I don't, I, we never want to personify that we, we know better than anybody else. And so what does it really look like to be different? What is the meaning of different? I, I want to give you four, I think, really visible things in our lives that exemplify holiness or areas that we can pursue holiness. The first one is this. We have to think different. We just do. We have to think different. Peter said, prepare your minds for action. Go back to the little Braun. That was Braun's big question, right? He's sitting in this church and he's wondering, man, if the work of Jesus isn't done, why aren't these people doing anything? Because in his mind, his mind, there should be action. There should be something happening. And so Peter says, therefore, prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It means, it means that we have to prepare our minds. We have to take action. We have to be prepared to take an initiative to do something. Romans 12.2, Paul wrote to the Romans, said this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what, is, what the will of God is. And you'll be able to test what is good and acceptable and what is perfect. And, and I love this idea. And, and part of it is this. Some of you have even come in here today and you're thinking, well, I just can't. I'm just not good enough for God. Some of us believe that we'll never be able to kick the addiction that we're in that seems to be controlling our lives. We've had somebody in our lives tell us that we're worthless and we're, not, we're useless and, and we're illegitimate and we don't matter and we believe these things. And what Paul's saying or what Peter's saying here is you, you, we've got to transform our minds. We've got to undo our thinking. We've got to take the, the negative and the, the worldly thoughts that have been planted in our head and we've got to change those and believe the truth of God. And we have to believe that we are valuable, that we were created by God with passion and intentionality and purpose and meaning and that our life isn't trash and we're not trash because God doesn't make trash. He makes people who are created in His image. And until we start undoing that thinking that's been planted by the world and we change that, we're not going to be able to think differently. And we have to think different. When we approach different situations, right? Often we go to what we do. I mean, a parent, right? You, you probably as a kid said, I am never going to yell at my kids because my parents yelled at me all the time. And guess what? You have kids, they start getting older, what do you do? We have to think different. We have to think different than what's behind us and, and what's been ingrained in our heads, right? All those phrases, you said, I am never going to say that because my mother said it all the time and your kids get old enough and psh, you say it, right? I said, I'll never say. I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. I say it at least 12 times a day. At least, Right? I, I swore I would never lick my thumb and wipe it on either of my kids' face. And at one time, I'm like, ah! right? I avoided it. I didn't do it. And some of you do. And I'm thinking, what kid wants? That's like just, you might as well just go, right? I mean, serious. I went on a tangent. Let's get back to where I'm going. All right? Number one, we have to think differently. We have to. If we're going to pursue this life of holiness, we have to think 
God's ways, not our ways. We have to think God's ways, not world's ways. That means there's all sorts of things. I mean, I mean, really, that's why theology and even worship were a big conversation for the two, first two weeks. If we're going to think different. Sometimes, sometimes the news is just telling us this and this, and sometimes we read the paper it tells us this, and our teachers are telling us all these things, and, and somebody we trust tells us something, so we obviously believe it, but we have to sometimes ask ourselves, is this, is this what God says? Is this what God says? Second, we, to live different, and what the meaning of being different is, is we live differently. We live differently. 1 Peter 1.17 says, And if you call on Him as Father who, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Right? What does that mean? It means that we live in the awe of God. Our entire next sermon series starting in February is just this big idea that God is bigger than we are and sometimes, sometimes we think we're bigger than He is. And, and the only way to live different and live the way He wants us to live is to realize that He is always, always, continually, perpetually bigger than we are and we can never be bigger than He is. And when we understand that, we will, we will shape our lives in such a way that honors Him. Because we'll understand that He is our audience and He is the one we try to please. Not each other. Not the world around us. Not the people around us. And so that's important. You want to be a great employee? Put on the mindset that you're going to work for God every day, not your boss. You want to be a great parent? You really believe that God gave you these children and He entrusted these precious creations of His into your home so that you and I can shape and mold the future. All of a sudden, you'll feel pretty small. Right? You want to be great at something? Do it for Him. That's what living differently means. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, he said this, he said, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. It's critical for us to understand. How many of you have ever made an unwise decision? Today? I was doing pretty good until I started licking you all. All right, so... I was feeling pretty confident about, I made some wise decisions until I got to that moment right there. All right? But we have to think about that. The, the, third, the third aspect that makes us just look different is that we love differently. And loving differently is so important for us because sometimes what happens is we think love should look a particular way. We think love, going back to the past, right, looks like the way that we were loved. And sometimes we weren't loved very well. And so we have to understand what love really is. Love sets us apart. Love is the display of holiness. I mean, love is really the litmus test for all believers. And it's not just any kind of ordinary, simple love. It's a sincere love and a genuine love. It's an authentic love. It's like the kind of love that God loves us with. And so our motive is not to get, but to give. It's a deep love. It is intense and it's fervent and, and it means to love with all of our strength and, and Christian love is not just a feeling it's a matter of the will and so it's pure love and it's spotless love and it's clean that's what kind of love that we should be exemplifying to everyone around us and I know I, I've often seriously I've been in ministry almost 20 years and I'm telling you God gave me students that, for, that, that forced me to love them 
They did not make it easy. And I've been a lead pastor, and God gave me some of you who I am forced to love (laughs) because you don't make it easy, right? But the idea is we don't kick people. We show the love of God to them. We, we help. We go the distance. We sacrifice. That's what, that's what kind of love we're talking about. It's, it's a kind of love that, that even Jesus said He wanted His disciples to have. Listen to this from John chapter 13. When He had gone out, Jesus said to His disciples, Now is the Son of Man glorified? And God is glorified in Him. If God is glorified in Him, God will also glorify Him, him in Himself and glorify Him at once. There's a lot of glory in there, isn't there? He says, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek Me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And so a new commandment I give to you. You can almost hear this. I mean, picture Jesus' voice just being very, very real and firm in this. A new command I give to you that you would love one another just as I have loved you that you also will love one another. And he even says this, by this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you will love one another. That's it. That's it. And too often, too often, it's sad. The world, the people that I try to talk to and tell them what I do and the random people who ask, you know, well, what's your profession? I'm like, don't ask, but I ask. And, and immediately, too, and it's too unfortunate. People who don't know Jesus, they assume that Christians stand for things they hate, not for things they love. And we need to change that. That's a pursuit of holiness. That's what holiness looks like. It means, it means that people will know that what we stand for, not what we stand against. And that we prepare to have conversations and discussions with people who, who need Jesus. Got a neighbor in my own neighborhood. I, I pray every time I drive by their house, God, give us the opportunity. Give it, keep giving us those moments to be able to change their perception of what Christianity is and what the church represents. They have a special needs kid who should have died at age eight and he's 15 years old now. And it's a, it's a constant challenge. But his perception is this. He owns his own business and some of the people he's been ripped off the most from have been... Christians, people who said this, people who were laid on their payments to him were Christians. And so we're, uh, we're, I'm trying to help him understand that's not holiness. That's not what God wants. And, and I, it infuriates me and it angers me because I'm thinking, oh, those people, I want to strangle their necks. But then I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to love them too. And it's hard. And it's frustrating. And yet Jesus did it for us. Last, we should talk different. 1 Peter 2.1 says this, So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy, all envy and all slander. Can you imagine being a part of a world without those things? Could you imagine being a part of a, of a company where that didn't exist? Could you imagine being a part of a family where that didn't exist? Could you imagine being a part of a church where those things didn't exist? Or a grow group or a small group where those things didn't exist? 
See, I, I think Peter wrote it because Peter, who had the inspiration of God, believed, believed in everything that he had that it was possible. He believed that we could have a world that, that was without malice and slander and hatred and bitterness and hurt and hypocrisy and deceit. He, he believed that it was possible. That's why he's writing to us saying, this is a doable thing. So let's do it. Let's prepare for action. And, and maybe when everybody else around is doing it, guess what? We want to be different. We want to talk differently. Ephesians, again, says this. Let's address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, it doesn't mean you come in this morning and say, oh, good morning to you, you know, how are you, you know, whatever. Um, sometimes I do sing to my wife, I love you, Sarah, and I lift my voice, right? And, and I'll sing to Sarah. Now, I do, I do sometimes use Jesus songs and replace Jesus with Sarah, but I think that's okay, okay? I don't know any other songs. That's not what this is talking about. It doesn't mean that we go in constant singing, that we're singing these songs to one another. But you know what it does say? It says this. Let's sing and let's make melody to the Lord with our heart. And let's make sure we give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What I didn't hear there, let's make sure that we speak reality into each other's life. Because <laughs> reality, sometimes we're like, we put on that, uh, that part we didn't like about holiness Oh, I can see it. Let me be real for you. Don't you love those people? Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate that. And, and it's usually a very cutting, and, and I'm just, I just want to speak the truth to you. Right? That's not what it's saying here. It's a very different thing. Here's where I'm at. Why, why should we be different? Well, it all comes back to the young man, Braun, who was sitting in that church service who heard about Jesus. And couldn't understand why other people didn't want to do things different. Peter tells us, verse 18, listen to it. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefather. See, we've been ransomed because of our sins, the sins and sins and sins and, and the troubles and the troubles and all, all the bad thinking and the unwise choices. We've been ransomed from the feudal ways inherited to us by our forefathers, but not with perishable things. We weren't bought with gold and silver. This is where Peter hits it home. We were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through Him are believers in God who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and your hope are in nothing less than God alone. Why should we pursue holy lives? Because we were bought. Not with silver and gold, but through the blood of of Jesus, who was crucified for me and for you. The greatest act of love and the greatest gift of grace known to humanity. And it should make us different. It should change us. And we should want to pull it up and Get to work making a difference in the world because we are different. 
So every week at Mountain View, we have a communion time. And today, this is what I want you to do. Don't believe anything. You don't have to believe anything I say. You really don't. You don't have to take holiness serious from my perspective. What I want you to do when you get this piece of bread and you get this cup of juice, I want you to close your eyes. And however you need to, I want you to imagine some 2,000 years ago looking up at people who are being crucified that day. I want you to see Jesus. I want you to see Him on the cross nailed to the tree with a crown of thorns pressed against His head and a board with writing on it delivering His charge. I want you to think of nothing else but those moments on the cross where Jesus was dying for the world. But see, even that's too broad. So what I want you to do is as you get your mind focused on that, I want you to really see it. And then I want you to imagine Jesus saying to you, I love you. This is my gift to you. Because maybe my words can't change anything about any of us. But I believe when we can see Jesus for who He is and what He did, we won't be like young Braun wondering why nobody's doing anything. Instead, we'll all want to go do something. God, thanks for today. Help these words sink in and help us see you right now. In Jesus' name.